How wonderful to be together this morning to honor the God of heaven, to come before him in worship, to encourage one another in our faith. I want to thank you for being here. Again, we have visitors today. We're very thankful that you could join us in these activities. A lot of people in this world are losing their faith. More and more people in the world are uh, saying that they don't really have any religious affiliation at all. More Americans, when surveyed, say they have no religious affiliation. Pollsters call that group of people the religious nuns, not N-U-N, but N-O-N-E-S. So when they're given this survey, you know, it's, are you Catholic, are you Protestant, are you this, are you that, Hindu, whatever it is, and then none, none of the above. That's what they check, none of the above. So I was interested that uh, Pew Research came out, they've been following this for some time, but they came out with a 2023 study just a few weeks ago uh, on the religious nuns, the ones who don't have any religious affiliation at all. And of course, they found that that number is increasing. For that number to be increasing, I think one of the things that applies is that a lot of people are leaving their faith or losing their faith. I want to talk about, about that with you this morning. Here is a, a chart that was put out by the Pew Research Center. You saw back in 2007 that 16% uh, of Americans claim to have no religious affiliation. That got up to a high of about 31%, and now it's at 28%. But if you, if you just look at that, it's, it's pretty much doubled since 2007, the number of people that say they have no religious affiliation. That should be concerning to anybody, I would think, that cares about spiritual things, just to realize that we have so many of our friends and neighbors that, that don't really have any strong attachment to a faith or a religion. One of the things that uh, the survey found, the study found, was that the religious nuns uh, claim no affiliation with organized religion. doesn't necessarily mean that they don't have any faith at all, but not with organized religion. Most of the nuns believe in God or a higher power. So these are not atheists. These are people who would tell you, yeah, I believe that Jesus or he was a good guy or something like that, but they don't have a strong attachment uh, to uh, any faith. And then the survey also noted that these people are guided by their own reason and logic when making moral decisions. So they were asked, you know, how do you make moral decisions? You don't have any attachment to a religious foundation or anything like that. How do you make your decisions about what's right and wrong? And they'll say things like, well, it's, it's just logical. I just think it through. I just use my own reasoning, my own logic, and that's how I decide what's right and wrong for me, usually they would say. The whole study was very interesting. It had a lot more to say about all of this. I'm not going to get into all of it with you. But just to start with this point. Uh, there are lots of people around and about us who have no attachment to a faith base. Not all of these people are atheists. Some are agnostic. They just claim to not know. And some just say they believe, but not in anything in particular. Religion in the Bible, the word religion, typically refers to the personal practice of one faith. We use the word religion today almost exclusively 
to talk about organized religion. It's hardly ever used that way in Scripture. Most of the time that it's used, it's used to talk about somebody's personal practice of what they believe in, their faith. In any case, these folks have neither one of those. Not a personal devotion to practice any sort of thing, nor uh, an attachment to an organized group. There is no personal religion, there's no organized religion in their lives. What are the factors that cause one to give up on religion, especially for our concern this morning? What are the factors that would cause one to give up on the religion of Jesus Christ, following Jesus Christ? Let me pause here just to say, in experience with people who've left the Lord's church and kind of gone off into the world, into this non-religious just floating around existence. A couple of times in discussions with these kinds of people, they'll say things like, well, I just don't have any confidence in religion anymore. That's just, religion is just not for me. I, I, I don't have any faith in religion anymore. What they really are saying, and they won't say this, but what they're really saying is, I don't have any faith in Jesus Christ. I've lost my relationship with Jesus. If they were true Christians to begin with, it's not just the organization. That's not what it's about. It's your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And they're saying, I don't have that. I've turned my back on Jesus. Now, they, they again, they want to say, I've turned my back on religion because that sounds <laughs> like, you know, well, you're not abandoning the Son of God. But no, you're abandoning the Son of God and your relationship with Him. Why does this happen? What are the factors that lead to it? We, we need to examine them. Because there are people in this room who are going to be tempted to lose their religion. There are going to be young people, there are young people who are going to be facing choices in the next few years about whether they're going to be true to their relationship with Jesus Christ or not. And some will not be. All of these things concern us deeply. What can we know about this? What can we learn about it? What can we do to prevent it? Those are some of the things we want to look at for a brief while this morning. So what are the causes for losing one's religion? I think one of the first ones is that you just don't believe it. Maybe you were raised in uh, the Lord's church, as we say sometimes. That's not really an accurate statement. But uh, you grew up with godly parents who were part of a congregation and you came and worshipped regularly and went to Bible studies and all of that, but you came to a point, maybe it was early on, maybe it was later on, where you just really didn't believe what you were being told. You didn't believe what the preacher was saying, what the Scriptures were saying. At some point, you stop listening to truth that you've long heard, and you seek something else. That is usually a poor substitute for the truth that you've long heard. So in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 3, Paul says the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. This is the time that's come right now. People don't want the truth of God. They're tired of that. They want to hear something else. And so it says, according to their own desires, what they want to hear, you see, it's not the truth they've heard all along, but they're ready for something else, something new, something different. Something 
that's more in line with their own thinking. According to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap to themselves teachers, and they will turn away from they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. What does that lead to? You're going to lose your religion. You've turned your ear away from hearing the truth. In Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 27, the writer warns, Cease listening to instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. You cease listening to it, you're going to stray. And then Hebrews chapter 4, 3 and verse 12, the writer warns us as Christians to beware lest there be in any one of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Why do people leave Jesus? Why do they leave the religion of Jesus Christ? It's an evil heart of unbelief. They just don't believe it. And if you don't believe it, you're not going to keep on doing it. We Each of us as we sit here and listen to sermons preached and read our Bibles and think about truth, we need to be very cautious of this. If it's God's truth, we must choose to believe it. And let me just throw in on that, that believing is a choice. You choose what you believe. But if you're sitting there, I really, I, the preacher said that, the Bible says that, but I don't believe that, you're going down a road. Beware lest there be in any one of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. That's how people lose their religion. Through unbelief. Maybe they didn't believe it to begin with. Maybe they stopped believing it. Secondly, people lose their religion because they fail to practice it. In James chapter 1 and verse 26, James talks about religion, a particular aspect of it. He says, If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. If, if your beliefs in Jesus Christ, if your faith, if your religion isn't changing the way you behave, if you know for sure and you believe that, for instance, God expects you as a follower of His Son to say certain things and not say other things, that you're not going to gossip and lie and cuss and, you know, that you're going to bridle your tongue. That's an expectation of the religion of Jesus Christ, that you will bridle your tongue. You know that's what it says. It's repeated throughout the New Testament. And yet you go on, just keep on gossiping and keep on lying and keep on whatever else with your mouth, cussing, whatever it might be, and you just, you're just not going to practice that. What does the Bible say your religion is? It's useless. And people do not hold on to that which is useless. If you come to understand then that in fact because you are not following and practicing your religion, it is actually useless in your life, why would you hold on to it? You're going to leave it. 
You're not doing it. People leave religion because they fail to practice it. People leave religion because of hypocrisy. Because of hypocrisy. Let me just back up and, and talk a little bit more about failing to practice our religion. The Israelites in the wilderness serve as a cautionary tale for all of us. That's what the Hebrew writer is talking about in Hebrews chapter 3 for sure. You might remember wandering in the wilderness for those 40 years. The very thing that caused them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years was a disobedience, a lack of faith. Hebrews 3.17 says about all that, With whom was he angry 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? See, they weren't doing it. They weren't practicing. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. They didn't really believe it. They didn't really do it. And therefore, they fell away. The Hebrew writer quotes earlier in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 10, Psalm 95 and verse 10, where God says, For forty years I was grieved with that generation, and I said, It is a people who go astray in their hearts, and they do not know my ways. The two things we've just said, failing to believe it and failing to practice it. They go astray in their hearts, they don't believe it, and they don't know my ways, they don't do it. And it is in that context then that the writer says, beware lest there be in any one of you this evil heart of unbelief. You put all of that together and we do come to the next point and that is this, this point of hypocrisy. Where a person knows what their religion says, knows how they're supposed to practice it, and pretends to do so. Pretends. They're not really practicing it. To look at them from the outside, they are. They're doing lots of stuff. They say a lot of things that seem to be right. But they're hypocrites. In Matthew chapter 6, of course, Jesus says to us in verses 1 and following, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. When you do a charitable deed, do not sound trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues, in the streets, that they may, be, that they may have the men. Surely I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That your charitable deed may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, and that they might be seen of men. Surely I say to you, they have their reward. Lots to unpack there, but I just want to notice this one thing with you. The thing about hypocrites is that what they're doing, they're doing to be seen of men. They're pretending, they're acting, for others. Now, young people, that could be you're pretending for your parents. People, as we get older, we might be pretending for our family. 
We might be pretending just for the people at church because we like the relationships. We're not really into practicing religion. We don't really believe it, but we're, we're doing it outwardly so that we can have friends at church and have their support, all of that sort of thing. But it's not, it's not really our real life. We're just pretending. It's easy to give up something that you're pretending. If it's your actual life, that's a different thing, isn't it? In 1 Timothy 1 and verse 19, a verse that we're going to look at a little bit tonight, Lord willing, Paul speaks of having Timothy having a faith and, and having faith and a good conscience, he says, which some having rejected concerning the faith have suffered shipwreck. People who don't really believe it, don't really have a good conscience, that is to say, they know they're not doing right, they're going to be shipwrecked. They're going to lose their religion. Causes for losing one's religion Failing to make the effort to answer the difficult questions. There are issues that come up in our spiritual lives, in just our daily lives, that require deep study and hard thinking and honest contemplation to answer. There are questions and ideas that are floating in the world around us all the time. We'll especially encounter these, again, young people as you go off to college at a public university. But questions like, why are science and faith seemingly at odds with one another? Why is it that, you know, my faith doesn't allow me to believe in science? Hell, really eternal, conscious torment for millions and billions maybe of people? Really, God's going to send people to hell? Conscious torment for all eternity? Is that what He's going to do? Why is the God of the Old Testament so violent? Why does He just, why, why, why does He practice genocide and just wipe out entire peoples? Why does God allow so much suffering in this world? What about all the other religions? If I say that the religion I believe in and hold to, the religion of Jesus Christ, is the one way to heaven, then what am I saying about all of these other religions and the people who practice them, and many of them good people, people that I interact with every day, seemingly good-hearted, kind, dedicated to what they're doing or practicing, and are, are we saying that all of them are going to hell? How can I deal with that? I can't handle that. That's just a smattering of questions that get asked, right? And if you don't know the answers, because you haven't taken the time to think through them and dig down deep and find, first of all, the fallacy of a couple of those questions, but also the answers that are given in Scripture, any one of those questions could cause you to say, well, my religion's no good. It can't answer this question for me. 
There's a contradiction between what I see in this question and what my religion is. So I jettison my religion. And I walk away from it. I just want to make this clear for everybody, especially again for the young folks. Just because you don't know the answer doesn't mean that there's not an answer. What it means is you better start digging and find it. Knowledge is a building process. Difficult questions tend not to have easy answers. But God understands all of this. God doesn't give us simple answers to tremendously complex questions. Sometimes He does. But a lot of His truth is based on a lot of other of His truth. Which you have to learn bit by bit and piece by piece and put it together accurately. Go back to Isaiah 28. I like this passage. Isaiah 28 verses 9 and 10. It says, whom will he teach knowledge? And whom will he make to understand the message? Those weaned from milk? Those just drawn from the breast? In other words, is God going to just give the deep information, the answers to the hard questions? Is he just going to give that to babies? He goes on and says, precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. That's how we gain truth. That's how we mature in truth. There's, there's not one verse in the Bible that answers these questions that I ask. You might have to look at hundreds or thousands of verses in the Bible to understand how to answer those questions. It's here a little, there a little. Well, why did God make it that way? I don't know all the reasons, but I do know that He wants people who have truth to have it because they love it. And they're willing to do what it takes to get it. If you look in Isaiah 28 and verse 13, just a couple verses down, the word of the Lord was to them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little, that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and caught. In other words, here were people that are being described here. They did not love the truth. They did not love God. They did not want His religion. And so they were never going to go precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. They were never going to get it. They're going to fall backward. They're going to lose their religion. Because they didn't, weren't willing to do the hard work. In Luxembourg, I was reading this last week, they have an annual parade where people march in the streets, usually holding hands, and they take one side and another step to the side, and then they take a hop forward. It's called, they're called hopping parades. It's a weird tradition. But it reminds me somewhat of how we must grow in our faith. You know, we hop to the side, we hop to this side, we hop to that side, then we take a step forward. It's here a little, there a little, then take a step forward. Here a little, there a little, 
then take a step forward. It takes you a long time to get anywhere in a hopping parade, I can tell you that. It takes you a long time and a lot of effort to get anywhere really getting to the deep things of God's Word. The Hebrew writer writes about this, of course. And by reason of time, people should have known the truth. They should have been teachers of it. They needed others to teach them again. Because they had not dedicated themselves to the application of truth. We must have constant nourishment in God's Word for growth to occur. And to be able to answer the difficult questions. 1 Peter chapter 2, 1. Laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, evil speaking, all of these things. Lay them aside as newborn babes. Desire the pure milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. You want to be able to come to a, a, a time in your life when you can answer the difficult questions. You're going to have to desire the sincere milk of the Word like a baby desires milk. The word desire there, by the way, uh, it, it could be translated lust in a positive sense. Just a really strong desire. We need that strong desire for God's Word and for all of God's Word. If we don't have that, if we don't have that, we're on the way to losing our religion. Causes for losing one's religion, lastly, the... the the lure of the immoral. And this is probably, honestly, the, the biggest reason the vast majority of people who walk away from the faith lose their faith. I think about specific temptations like sexual ones or alcohol, for instance. Somebody gets caught up in a sexual temptation. They commit fornication or adultery. They're in a relationship that they should not be in. And it's a strong draw. They have this thing that they've given themselves over to and a person that's involved in that. And they'd rather keep that than their religion. They get involved in some activity. It might be alcohol or, or drugs or uh, some other sinful activity and it just gets a hold of them. They become addicted to it. And they'd rather keep that than their religion. And they do. Later on, they'll have a lot of bad things to say about religion. But they left it, make no mistake, because of the lure of the immoral. In 2 Peter 2, Peter writes about those who speak great swelling words of emptiness, and they allure through lusts of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones that have actually escaped from those who live in error. They promise them liberty, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he's brought into bondage. You become enslaved to some sin of some kind and you throw out everything else. When, when Solomon is warning about sexual immorality in Proverbs chapter 5, he says in verse 21, Why should you, my son, be enraptured by an immoral woman? be embraced in the arms of a seductress. For the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord. He ponders all of his paths. His own equities entrap the wicked man, and he is caught in the cords of his sin. He shall die for lack of instruction, 
and in the greatness of his folly, he shall go astray. Please notice that. He's talking about a person who is given over to sexual immorality, a relationship God says you don't have any right to. He's caught in the cords of his sin. He's addicted to it. He's trapped in it. And what does it say? In the greatness of his folly, he shall go astray. He's losing his religion. This is the same thing that's said about alcohol. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. If we went around the room and asked uh, everybody, do you know somebody who's lost their faith due to drugs or alcohol? Probably nearly anybody, everybody in this room knows somebody. What's the bottom line of all of this? The nuns, those who have no religious affiliation and who've left, especially the Lord's people, they claim to be guided by their own logic and reason. In fact, this was the thing that was repeatedly stated in that survey. When they were asked, what's your moral compass? How do you decide right and wrong? What's the guiding thing in your life? Whatever I think. I think it through. I use my logic. I decide. It reminds us of what the Proverbs have to say, that the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. In the times of the judges, everybody, every man did what was right in his own eyes, which means that they did wrong. Proverbs 21 and verse 2, every way of a man is right on his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the hearts. Anton Chekhov wrote, You have gone mad and are not following the right path. You take falsehood for truth and deformity for beauty. And that's the way of people who walk away from religion. Jeremiah said, O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walks to direct his steps. That's not in us. God didn't make us capable of doing it. People who are living by their own thinking, their own logic, and making moral decisions solely based on that, they are incapable of doing it. If we believe God, it is not in man that walks to correct his own steps. And so their religionless life does not hold water. I do, and you know, probably, any number of people that are in this boat. They wouldn't tell you this, but I know it's true. Their lives are empty. They have fun day by day. They do what they want to do. They make the choices they want to make. But it's all a vacuum. As God said so long ago to the people of Jeremiah's day, My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they have hewn themselves cisterns, Broken cisterns that can hold no water. Their life holds no water. Their religion, which they have none of, holds no water. So those who give up the religion of Jesus Christ ultimately do so because they want to follow their own thinking, their own desires, have control of their own lives, 
and they do not want to give God control. We're familiar with the passage in James chapter 1 and verse 27. When James says that pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. People who leave religion, they may claim to care about people, and they may. But what they don't want to do is keep themselves unspotted from the world. Pure religion leads us to care deeply about others, to sacrifice for others, while at the same time refusing to allow ourselves to be stained by the ungodly and immoral behavior of our world. And that's why people don't want it. Because they love the world. I don't know how or if any of this knowledge might help bring somebody back turned away from the Lord. But my hope is this morning that hopefully as we've thought about this and looked at what the Scriptures say, maybe, just maybe, we've kept somebody from going down a path where they lose their relationship with Jesus Christ. Are you going down that path today? Are you not right with God? Do you not believe it? Do you not practice it? Are you playing the hypocrite? Are you not willing to study hard enough to find out the real answers? Are you just listening to your own way of thinking, making your own decisions, and not letting God make them? There may be some, someone here this morning that just really needs to repent, to change direction, and make your life right with God. We'd ask you to come while we stand and while we sing.